Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Recently, America's movie-going public was rocked when the New York Times' A.O. Scott, one of a long line of brilliant New York-based film critics going back to the late, great Pauline Kael, announced he was shutting up shop. After 23 years, he'd had enough and was crossing to the other side of the street as a freelance book reviewer. As I say, Times readers were shocked, not least because many of them could see why he was doing it. What is The Matrix? The Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? They're watching you, Neo. But to understand A.O. Scott's disillusionment in two nutshells, comic book franchises and Netflix, it's helpful to see what movies came out in 1999, the year he took the job. Magnolia, The Matrix, Being John Malkovich, The Insider. I remind you, this is all one year. But wait, I'm not done yet. You think you're the only one who's frustrated? I'm not? Well then, come on, baby, I'm ready. Welcome to America's weirdest home videos. This is for your own good boy. There are rules in life. Yes, sir. Don't give up on me, Dad. American Beauty, Fight Club, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Boys Don't Cry. And it wasn't just serious, intelligent drama. 1999 was the year of Notting Hill, Galaxy Quest and the Buena Vista Social Club. These were what was considered to be going to the movies, the year A.O. Scott started work. Hi, I'm Ry Cooter. I discovered the joys of Cuban music many years ago. But it was only recently that I learned just how many of the long-forgotten yet legendary Cuban musicians were still alive and well. And now, well, not so much. You'll notice this list is mostly missing the sort of titles that take up most of the filmmaking oxygen 23 years later. The money that used to fund smart, well-made movies, mostly but not exclusively made by and for grown-ups, is now going to bigger, gaudier and, more to the point, fewer films. I am puss in boots. Holy frijoles. Hey, giant! You want to see something cool? They're mostly films with familiar titles, something we've already bought in the past. This year alone, the top six titles, by which I mean the top grossing six titles, I make no judgment on their quality, but all six are retreads of something old. The way of water connects all things. Before your birth and after your death. Aside from the all-conquering second Avatar, the list includes the third Ant-Man, Creed 3, the umpteenth appearance of Puss in Boots and Scream, and last week's John Wick Chapter 4. Well, that's better than last year, incidentally. Then the entire top ten were mouldy oldies. 
We created an ecological disaster. Allie Sattler. Alan Grant. So that was clearly one reason A.O. Scott quit the film desk at the New York Times. How many ways are there to say Ant-Man's back, surrounded by even more digital effects? But he was also distressed by what the lack of non-franchise money was doing to the rest of the business. Clara had 21 years. It's not because the media are not interested in it, that we don't have to deal with it. When we don't find it in the first weeks, it becomes very difficult. In any case, it's always the women who are brûlées. Starting by Jeanne d'Arc and all the sorcerers. Films are being made, in their hundreds in fact, but many of the good ones seem to be coming from Europe and Asia these days. In Hollywood, the one-time dream factory, there are rather leaner pickings at the cinema. Genre pictures, horror, sci-fi and juvenile comedy and low-budget art films dominate. We've liberated ourselves. We will have to ask ourselves who we are. Some of those films do well at the award shows, but they're only watched, if at all, on the streaming services. Netflix, Prime Video, Neon and the rest. A.O. Scott remembered when he and quite a few others thought they might be the saviours of the movie industry. It's just a man. Only another man. Esteemed filmmakers like Jane Campion, Martin Scorsese and Spike Lee found a home on Netflix when the big studios moved down market. The good news was that the streamers were happy to bankroll these auteurs with no interference. No interference at all, in fact. They didn't seem to care. You need a script? Argo, science fantasy adventure. Moonscape, Mars, desert. You need an exotic location to shoot. You need a producer. If I'm doing a fake movie, it's going to be a fake hit. Back in the studio's heyday, even the most gifted filmmakers still had to get their film past head office. Woe betide you if your movie was over two hours long, say, or didn't have enough bankable stars to act as insurance for the new film, or simply wasn't good enough. What he bought still belongs to the man who sold it. That's the real magic of the movies. Thunder, blood, blood, fire, religion. Help! Someone save me! All in one film. That's director proof. Those pampered auteurs may have bad-mouthed the Philistines running their lives, but later, around Oscar time, they often grudgingly conceded their bosses had a point. When Daryl Zanuck or Sam Goldwyn said, I don't get it, go and fix it, they tended to be right more times than they were wrong. You, you sold it out. I can't believe it. How could you let him sell you out? I mean, what about truth? What about the reality? What about the way the old ending tested in Canoga Park? Everybody hated it. We reshot it, now everybody loves it. That's reality. But today, the guys running the streaming services don't offer any notes at all. They just look at the numbers. Yes, Netflix has employed some great filmmakers. But don't forget, the company's first signing was five movies from Adam Sandler. The real detectives have arrived. Wow. You must be the Spitzers. Yes. Your reputation's precedes you. Here you go. Not in a positive way, I'm afraid. Okay. Okay. 
but while I concede A.O. Scott's dismay at how far movies seem to have sunk in just 20 years, I'm still interested enough in what's coming up next. This week sees two would-be franchises, one based on a young adult series of novels, The Portable Door, the other, yet another attempt to bring Dungeons and Dragons to the screen. The Red Wizards created an army of the undead. Sounds lovely. Quite the opposite. I know, I was being ironic. I find irony is a blade that cuts he who wields it most especially. You're not a lot of fun, are you? But first, another well-respected filmmaker finds a home in a streaming service. Prime Video this time. John Michael McDonough's The Forgiven. I like it here. It feels like a country where a useless man could be happy. And are you a useless man? <sighs> I follow the way of the Buddha. Good to know that there are other useless people in this world besides me. <laughs> it's easy to get the McDonough brothers mixed up. Younger brother Martin has the slightly higher profile, writing and directing films like In Bruges, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and the recent award winner The Banshees of Inner Sharon. Older brother John Michael McDonough makes quirkier, occasionally even funnier films like The Guard and Calvary. But The Forgiven is rather drier in every sense. It's 400 miles to Asna. Long way to go for a party. The Forgiven opens with Rafe Fiennes and Jessica Chastain driving through the Sahara Desert at night. They play a married couple, I wouldn't say a particularly happily married couple, called David and Joe. They're driving to a party being thrown by friends of Joe deep in the heart of Morocco. And something bad happens. They said, David, we're lost. That's the time. No, it's not. This is the time. No, David. Don't be so bloody stupid. It was an accident. He stepped out in front of us. You don't want the police showing up, poking their noses into everything. A young Arab boy runs out into the road while David and Joe are arguing. There's a crash and he's killed. The couple's host, Richard, a rather good Matt Smith, is an old Morocco hand. He follows in a long, not particularly noble line of wealthy, often corrupt Western tourists exploiting young Moroccans over the years. How did it happen? You should tell me before we tell the police, get everything ironed out. We were bowling along looking for the sign for asthma. And there was a lot of sand blowing across the road. Richard tells Michael there shouldn't be a problem, it was an accident and so on. In fact, the whole party is made up of people for whom life is generally free of problems or indeed purpose. Once again, The Forgiven takes us to the world of the pampered rich. Now listen, are you going to mope a weekend, or are you going to enjoy yourself? It's not the time to enjoy yourself, you know. I suppose I can make the effort. The guests of Richard and his boyfriend Dally are mostly dedicated to the proposition, let's throw money at our boredom. Well, that's certainly the motto of Tom, played by Christopher Abbott, who, seeing that Michael is distracted by his problems with the police, decides to start flirting with Michael's wife, Jo. Been here before? Mm-mm. We never get away. David works all the time. His patients are all rich old bags who harass him mercilessly around the clock. This is a strange place for a holiday home. It's like they're living out some kind of fantasy, I guess. 
of all the people wallowing in idle luxury, including journalists, socialites, aristocrats and hangers-on, the closest thing to a decent human being, initially at any rate, is Richard. He tries to find a formula to keep both his guests and the local Moroccans happy. The sourest is David, who didn't even want to be here in the first place. Well, the main thing is to come clean, cooperate with the priests and seem overwhelmingly contrite. We can do that, can't we? (laughs) If it's absolutely necessary. David. But David is about to learn a lesson in contrition when the dead boy's father arrives. He's no easygoing Moroccan. He's a nomadic Berber and he won't be fobbed off by glib Western words or even money. He didn't mention money? No. He wants you to return with them to bury the boy. It is customary in these parts. The father will only be satisfied with David coming with him to his remote mountain camp and helping the family bury the son. Understandably, David isn't keen on being driven so far, literally, out of his comfort zone. Has it occurred to you that he might actually be planning something a lot nastier than anything you can anticipate? forgotten about my husband. Yes, I have. And so have you. The Forgiven, as the name suggests, is about getting past something difficult to forgive. The boy was the father's only son. The culprit has to overcome decades of prejudice. Meanwhile, the rest of the party carries on as if nothing happened. Though they are intrigued by some holes in the story David and Joe initially told them. What did you do with this idea? Bury it. They didn't just hit him, they ran over him, maybe more than once. The story splits between what happens to David when he goes away and what happens to Joe when David goes away. And once again we're confronted by our views of the rich and privileged. Why should we even care about people who so obviously only care for themselves? What did they call it in your country? Roadkill. There's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. I have to confess, some of my own prejudices rather got in my way. I find Jessica Chastain a bit unengaging at the best of times. And for me, The Forgiven kept feeling slightly undercooked. Nobody seemed to care much about it, which is why it arrived on Prime Video with so little love. We should get out of the sun before you start to bleed. I don't bleed very easily. Star Ray Fiennes, who I generally do engage with, does his best with his part of the story. But the mystery at its heart, did something else happen out there, is left too unclear to justify an otherwise strong ending. In other words, it got prime video when it really needed a prime producer making it better. Why did you come here? Remember when it seemed every film producer in Hollywood was rummaging around the young adult section of the local bookshop looking for the new Harry Potter or Twilight series? English author Tom Holt certainly seems to qualify. He's written dozens of YA books. Ah, you will be working for the most innovative company in history. We control their gut instincts. We arrange coincidences. Is that what you do here? Make people fall in love? 
Holt's specialist area appears to be comedy fantasy, like The Portable Door. Set in London, The Portable Door opens on our hero Paul late for a job interview. He keeps being held up by unexpected difficulties, what he wrongly refers to as coincidences. But the board, led by Sam Neill and Christoph Waltz, are all strangely intrigued. And what makes you think you'd be suited to this position? Coincidence, really. Go on. Well... Bloody alarm! My shoelace broke. Twice. A dog stole my scarf. Hey! Grab that dog! I was strangely intrigued myself. For instance, why all the sets were undeniably London while most of the cast and crew were Australasian. I like Sam, Miranda Otto and Rachel House, but they all seem to deserve a rather better film than this. How is anyone supposed to get a job in this town? Ladies and gentlemen the board, this is Paul Carpenter. Glad you found us. What do you do in your spare time? Well, all my time is spare, really. Well, this has been... Truly forgettable experience. Be that as it may, Paul is sent to a gloomy London office, all very Dickens or even H.G. Wells. He shares it with Sophie, who, as is the way in this sort of story, wants nothing to do with him. I've lost something immeasurably valuable. It's one of the most powerful and coveted items ever to exist. But it looks as if Paul has been hired because of his connection with coincidences. The boss, coincidentally called H.J. Wells, tells him what the company specialises in. They're in the coincidence business. We expect nothing less than excellence from our employees. Any idea what they do here? We've hijacked a client's instincts to arrange coincidences. Meanwhile, Sam Neill plays a sort of rival boss called Dennis Tanner, which was a bit too Coronation Street for me. Sam dials his performance rather closer to 11 than I'm used to seeing him do, and he clearly has a secret identity that will come out when the special effects department get round to it. Meanwhile, Paul is urged to look for something significant and useful. What can it possibly be? The portable door. When you fail... There are no words to describe what Mr. Wells will do to you. If you do find me, this is who you come to. This company is at war with itself. Do pay attention. The movie's called The Portable Door, a title that makes very little immediate sense, but we have to assume it will once we've found it and had it explained. And eventually, Paul finds it and tries it out. Operation Fireprint. We were able to influence this young consumer. Imagine what we can do to the masses. We have to do something. It's a door that you can carry around with you, and it works if you produce it and then say the magic word, or rather, say the magic word twice. And then you sort of go through it and end up somewhere else. Now, the good news is if you're trying to impress someone someone like Sophie, for instance, there's a chance that something like a portable door might do the trick. Knock, knock. It's a door. Portable door, to be specific. You're not to share this with anyone. Can I trust you? So it goes wherever you want to go. This has just become the best job in the world. Come on! Ah, yes, the trick. And the trick of all young adult fantasies is to win an audience over right at the start. Harry Potter won over his young following because it was set somewhere just about everyone could identify with, school. 
Meanwhile, the Twilight series was the American equivalent, a high school romance where the rival teams were cuddly werewolves and sparkly vampires. Your skin is hell white and ice cold. You don't go out into the sunlight. Say it out loud. Say it. Vampire. Are you afraid? No. The portable door may be universal too, just a lot less fun. It's first day at work, complete with bewildering rules, hostile workmates and terrifying bosses. Do you want to see that? Frankly, anyone with a portable door out of there is very unlikely to use it to go back. Knock, knock. Who closes the door keeps the door. The multi-billion dollar gaming industry has been a source of envy and frustration in Hollywood for decades. These games look so much like movies already with their fantasy titles, their heroes' journeys, their sci-fi Star Wars settings. And yet, every time they try to convert a game into an actual film, it falls apart in their hands. Until now. Here's the thing. We're a team of thieves. Then when you do this... You're bound to make enemies. A TV series called The Last of Us has just turned a PlayStation video game into a small screen sensation. And now the daddy of all role-playing games, Dungeons & Dragons, has overcome several false starts to become a hit movie. Truth be told, we helped the wrong person steal the wrong thing. So why did this one, subtitled Honour Among Thieves, succeed where all the others were hated by gamers and film fans alike? The answer seems to be, for the same reason, the very first Star Wars, you know, Chapter 4, was the only one that was much fun. It's got charm. We didn't mean to unleash the greatest evil the world has ever known. But we're going to fix it. So how do we pull that off? Uh, Figure it out over a drink? Probably best. Honour Among Thieves opens, unsurprisingly, in a dungeon. There we meet two cellmates, played by Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez, who are going to have to escape soon or there's not much of a movie. They do, but there's an appealing switch. Michelle's the tough warrior. Chris is more the fast-talking ideas man. Butch Cassidy to her Sundance kid. What is it exactly that you bring to this? I'm a planner. I make plans. You've already made the plan, so... If the existing plan fails, I make a new plan. So you make plans that fail? No. He also plays the loot. Not relevant. They briefly flash back to what got them into this predicament. Their original henchmen, including a slippery Hugh Grant, let them down. And when our two heroes manage to escape, they discover dodgy Hugh has not only stolen their loot, but also kidnapped Chris's daughter. There's also magic malfeasance aplenty. How are we going to pull this off? We're going to need a team. Now, if you know anything about Dungeons & Dragons, and this next bit is just about all I know about Dungeons & Dragons, you'll know they'll have to form a new crew, all with different powers, and then go from level to level until they achieve whatever it is they need to achieve. You need cooling! Give us a fighting chance. We're going to need strength. You got this, right? I know you don't. We also need courage, magic, and you. 
I also know it takes hours and hours, sometimes all weekend. And I didn't need the TV series Stranger Things to tell me how obsessive Dungeons fans can get. I used to live next door to one. Be warned. There is evil here. I'm glad he's on our side. But before we can employ various sorcerers, druids and paladins, we need Hugh Grant to establish his villainy, and he grabs it with both hands. After years of playing various silly asses and undemanding rom-coms, Hugh has discovered his true calling. It's a gift for every one of you. All right, take me down. This is absurdly high. It's not what we discussed. He's terrific in this, but the secret of the unexpected success of Dungeons and Dragons, and no one was more surprised than me, is that everyone else is pretty good in it too. You need cool air. Follow me to the orifice. Back to school air. The orifice? I'll go last. Let's go. Don't mind that. Michelle Rodriguez is always reliable. She seems to have cornered the market in tough broads who never find love, and she's the other best thing in Dungeons and Dragons. But so's Chris Pine, whose charm often eluded me until now. He's great in a goofy, young Harrison Ford sort of way here. Protect it with your very life. I will. All this. None of us can say our lives gone the way we'd hope. I did think you'd serve longer. You got an early release? Good behaviour. Yeah, behaving good. It's light, it's got good enough characters, it's mostly treated as comedy, but it's got enough heart and soul to make it mean something. It's also, unusually for an effects-based film like this, noticeably well-directed by co-writers John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. This is unlike anything we've ever seen. What's trying to kill us this time? Pretty much everything. It's pretty obvious that everyone, with the possible exception of Hugh Grant, realised pretty early on that Dungeons and Dragons, Honour Among Thieves, was a cut above. Not only was it getting quite a few things right, it was also not getting the usual things wrong. So the last ten minutes or so is spent clearing the decks for a profitable sequel. I know what to do. I can ask corpses five questions and then they go back to being dead. Perlamon Tergatis. Maybe I'm not saying it. Yuck. Wonderful. In some ways, this is a bit of a shame. Yes, the follow-ups will make money, but the usual lore of sequels, not a patch on the first one, is probably inevitable. Still, if you're in the right frame of mind, I suggest you enjoy the original and ignore all the rest, and you don't even have to throw the oddly shaped dice. So, having saved you hours of boredom, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.